Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Pro Football Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy and I discuss top storylines, including Jameis Winston's future in Tampa Bay, Derek Carr's standing with the Raiders, and the Green Bay Packers' chances to make a deep playoff run. We also share our offense and defensive players of Week 15, and make our game picks for week 16. This is the Pro Football Chase Podcast, a podcast that has featured interviews with Rams wide receiver Robert Woods. 32,000 yards, uh, and you know, last year, unfortunately, I got hurt mid midway in the season, but other than that, just just working and grinding to, to get to this point, and uh, probably broke it with a lot of games left. Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, just the fact that we got a you know a, a all pro on the other side of the ball, um, you know, and Devontae. Um, so when you got a guy like that, you know that's just gonna get the main focus. Um, obviously, you know people start to know my name a little bit after I made a few plays here and there. Broncos offensive guard Ronald Leary. It would either have to be a counter or a pin and pull play when we get on the edge and run. Uh, I think it's always impressive when big guys can get out that stance and move and hit somebody. So in rising stars, Dalton Risner, Charles Amenahu, and Jawan Williams. This is a podcast that offers player perspectives from some well-decorated veterans, including TJ Hushman Zada. And people will say, oh well, if that person got a franchise quarterback. Uh, look, look at his record, doesn't it tells you he is. Oh, he has a great defense. You tell me a quarterback in the entire NFL that's not Tom Brady that does more with that. Game previews, recaps, and analysis. Turn the volume up. The chase is on, and the chase is live. Good 
Good evening, everybody, and welcome into the Pro Football Chase Podcast. It's Isaac Signs with you, and on the line is my co-host, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy. So, Jarrell, I know it's been a crazy day for you, but we're here to talk some football, man. So, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. Uh, a lot of a lot of stuff is taking place today, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, my family's good. We are blessed. Uh, everything is going according to plan. Um, even though we're recording a little bit later in the day, man, I'm excited. I'm juiced up, and um, I'm ready to go. So let's go ahead and kick it off with our weekly segment of Offensive Player of Week number 15. So I know the big one was obviously Drew Brees. I don't know if he's your pick, but uh, I'll go ahead and give you another player. How about Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey? He hauled in 11 receptions for 142 yards and was instrumental in the Chiefs' dominant 23-3 win over the Broncos on Sunday. Now, I'm not picking him just because of that impressive stat line, Jarrell, but I'm also picking Kelsey because his first catch went for 11 yards and put him right at 1,000 yards this season, implying that he is now in the NFL record book, marking his fourth straight 1,000-yard season, which has never been done by a player at his position. Man, I'm excited that you got a chance to highlight my man, Travis Kelsey, uh, an Ohio boy, a guy that I really respect. Um, you know, during my little short stint with the Chiefs, man, I, that he was my one of my coolest uh, teammates, called him Johnny Bravo. And so, like, uh, it's pretty cool that you have an opportunity to highlight Kelsey, man. Continue to keep doing your thing, um, doing great things with his foundation as well, man. And uh, he continues to shed a... Um, you know, shed light and doing it in a positive way. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually uh, excited that you got a chance to highlight my guy Travis Kelsey tonight. Um, I'm going to highlight another guy on the offensive end. Uh, he's not a. He, he was definitely in that, in that, uh, that Saints debacle over the Colts. Uh, but it's not Drew Brees. I want to have a get an opportunity to highlight Michael Thomas for my offensive player of the week. Twelve receptions, 128 yards, a uh, touchdown. Um, he has 133 receptions on the year, number one in the league. He leads the league now and in, um, in reception yards as well. Um, having back-to-back 125-yard reception years only to be done by Antonio Brown. Uh, it would be a great thing to see him get on a team at a later point. But, I mean, uh, it's definitely a great company to have as far as the performance is concerned. Um, he's 11 catches shy of Marvin Harrison for the most in, this, in a single season, so I'm excited to see how the Saints are going to work in uh, work in that this week. With uh, with everything that's at stake, and I and I, you know, I'm excited for the guy, man. He's in the MVP race as a receiver, which has never been done before. I know, um, you know, at this current moment, Lamar Jackson is the front runner, but I mean, the Mike, uh, Michael Thomas doing what he's been able to do this entire season, um, you know, consistently playing, not having Drew Brees in the lineup for a quarter of a year, he continues to shine. Yeah, Michael Thomas, a focal point of that Saints high-powered offense attack. He produces, regardless of who's under center, we saw those numbers skyrocket even with Teddy Bridgewater when he took over for Drew Brees. So that's a good pick as well. Now, defensive player of Week 15, Jarrell, I got to give it to my boy linebacker Sean Lee of the Dallas Cowboys. 33 years old. He turned back the clock on Sunday and put together his most dominant performance of the season. And interestingly enough, Jarrell, he was questionable entering Sunday's game due to pectoral and thigh injuries, but he managed to play and contribute to the Cowboys' big home victory. He recorded four total tackles, three solo, one sack, one interception, one tackle for loss, one pass defense, 
and one quarterback hit. Man, he had an excellent game. Uh, I know you were going to, you know, eventually at some point in time highlight one of your Cowboys, man. I know you were excited over the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I know at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're smiling from ear to ear. Those guys are still in contention. Um, as well as Philadelphia, man. So both of those, uh, both this game upcoming is a big game for those teams this week, man. I'm excited to see what uh, what both game, uh, what both teams uh, throw out there on the field, and you know we'll have opportunity to see, man. At the end of the day, um, I'm you know for my defensive player of the week, I'm gonna go to a guy in the trenches, um, on the road with everything at stake, going uh, competing um, at Heinz Field with everything that's at stake. Uh, I'm gonna go with my guy Jordan Phillips, two sacks, two TFLs. Uh, two quarterback hits, three solo tackles, and, um, you know, in an impressive victory for the Bills on the road at Heinz Field, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, clinching a playoff berth uh, for the for the, for the the second time in three years under, under uh, you know, Sean, um, under uh, Coach McDermott. And I'm excited to see where these guys are headed, man. I think, you know, everything is in place for the Buffalo Bills. I think Josh Allen continues to improve, but he has to uh, he's going to have to be able to throw in the playoffs in order for them to be successful. But this defense is rocking and rolling on all cylinders. And shout out to the guys in the trenches getting it done. Big shout out to Jay Phillips as well. I had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Awesome player. And I'm so excited that he's having a big time breakout performance. Now, I am a little bit disappointed that he was one of many players that were snubbed from the Pro Bowl, but that's another topic for another day, Jarrell. But let's go ahead and get into our underappreciated storyline of Week 15. Now, here's mine. How about those Atlanta Falcons who are 5-9? and nine? It's their relentlessness and refusal to quit on the season despite Dan Quinn's uncertain job security drill. You and I have talked about this team on the podcast throughout the season and about how much they have going for them with talent. Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, Devontae Freeman. Now, of course, we know they lost Keanu Neal earlier this season. They've been hit with the injury bug. Desmond Trufant is down as well. But... It's safe to say that they have underwhelmed this year, and Arthur Blank has come out and said, well, we're not sure what's going to happen with Dan Quinn. We're going to continue fighting. But they came to play on Sunday, knocking off the then number one seeded San Francisco 49ers, 29-22. I respect Atlanta, Jarrell, because you know actually more than all of us as a player that it is easy to call it quits when the season is out of reach and you're out of playoff contention, but they have battled on a week-to-week basis since their bye week, and so i got to shine some light on the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I tip my hat off to a team that who you already understands that they're out of playoff contention, but they're throwing uh, they're throwing so much effort into to what they have. And I think, you know, it's just a, a test of, you know, at this point in time, if you're a veteran on a team, how valuable you are to the team. I think, you know, they're all playing for their jobs because of the, the underachieving uh, seasons that they've had over the, the last couple weeks over basically since the Super Bowl. I think they're all playing for their jobs as far as veterans are concerned and having an opportunity to prove uh, to to the GM, Demetrio, if, if they have an opportunity to, to be retained for the next year. And so I'm excited, man, to see, you know, what the Falcons can do because they continue to to impress, man, being out there on the road and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, Coach Quinn continues to fire those guys up, even though that they don't have necessarily anything to play for. Um, I think for me, my un, uh, underappreciated story of the week, 
has to go to one of your guys, uh, you know, Tony Pollard, you know, rookie out of Memphis. Uh, this weekend, he had an opportunity to shine against the Rams with everything that was on the line. It was not Ezekiel Elliott having having his name, you know, plastered all over the screen. It was Tony Pollard, the rookie, having an opportunity uh, to average 10 yards, almost 11 yards a carry at 10.9, um, you know, 131 yards and a touchdown and, and being – um, showing up big time against the Rams in a, in a game that both teams had to win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. So shout out to Tony Pollard. Continue to keep working hard, my young fella, and uh, showing them that you can, uh, you can do it. Love the pick, obviously. Tony Pollard, a big part of that running back rotation in Dallas, and we're starting to see him get more touches. And he's showcasing what he can do, dynamic with the ball in his hands. Now, Gerard, I don't know if you saw, but about 20 minutes ago, breaking news coming out of Jacksonville, they just fired Tom Coughlin, the executive vice president of football operations. Of course, the Jaguars are 5-9 and nine this season. Another disappointing team out there. As you saw a couple of days ago, the NFLPA won a grievance over the Jaguars for their violations in the offseason of 2018 where they fined Dante Fowler an immense amount of money for missing treatments that the Jaguars were saying were mandatory, although in the collective bargaining agreement, they were not permitted to label them as mandatory. Therefore, all the money that they were fining Fowler turned out to be wrong. And so NFLPA won the grievance, and it was sent public earlier this week. So this is just a couple of days after that, Jarrell. And now all of a sudden, the 73-year-old legend in the coaching realm is out in Jacksonville. Yeah, it's a tough situation, man. I think, you know, when you think of Tom Coughlin, you think of all the good years that he had in New York, even the up and down, even the, the years where we uh, we thought he underachieved, you know, he still put a product out there that compete. They just kind of came up short in a lot of wins. And and I think what it is is, you know, the game is changing, man. The, the players are now, now today are different than they were when he had, you know, Justin Tuck and, you know, JPP and those guys and, and having – uh, continuity and an understanding that, you know, I could be hard nose. I can come down on you. You guys are going to respect my authority and we're going to win football games due to, due to our discipline, due to our hard work and our effort on the field. And um, I just think that times are changing, you know, guys want to be, you know, in the league want to feel more appreciated. I think when you look at uh, the ownership, you know, he trusted in, you know, a guy that that's had a proven track record to come in and, and write the ship because this is an owner that, that has, you know, said time and time again that he he wants to win and um, he's willing to pay any amount of money to bring a championship to Jacksonville. And so you bring in a guy like Tom Coughlin, a guy that, that has this pedigree and this and, and uh, you know, this prestige next to his name. I think it is a, uh, a testament to, you know, to Connor having a, you know, wanting to win so bad. But at the end of the day, man, this is a new this is a new age of player, man. They're, they want to be respected more. They want to they're want they're more outspoken than they used to be in the past. And they're not just going to accept they're not going to just accept being, you know, fine year in, year out and having an opportunity to, uh, you know, just taking on the chin like older players would do. And so, you know, times have changed, man. And I think Tom Coughlin has to adapt to that in order for him to be able to be around in, in, in a GM uh, GM role or any type of executive role where he's operating and communicating with the players. I agree with you there. And I actually think Coughlin is done with football as far as front office jobs. I think he's going to go officially retire from the game, spend time with his family. So I think it was mutually beneficial for, for both sides to move on here. But let's go ahead and get into our fact fiction, Jarrell. 
first topic here has to do with Jameis Winston. I know you were a teammate of his for a little bit there in Tampa Bay, and he has been one of the most scrutinized figures in the NFL because, man, he can go off for 450 yards and five touchdowns, but turnovers continue to be his Achilles heel. And so here's a statement, Jarrell. I'll toss it to you first to hear your take. Jameis Winston has shown enough in 2019 to earn a contract extension from the Buccaneers after this season. Fact or fiction? Uh, I would warrant it fact. I, I think, you know, if I'm Bruce Aarons, I see what, you know, the kid can do on, in my system um, for his first year. I think at the end of the day, you know, he's going to be a turnover machine and you have to have an opportunity to correct that. But I think if I'm a GM, if I'm looking at it from a, a long-term standpoint, I think I'm going to go the Kirk Cousins measure, and I would franchise him. I think I would give him opportunity next year to see what he can do, if he can limit his interceptions. I mean, because when you think about it, the kid's gone for over 4,000 yards in, in three of his first five years. So I think at the end of the day, you know that the statistics are there. You know he has big-time talent. You know that he can – take an offense and lead him down the field and, and continues to score and, and score a lot of touchdowns. But I think that, the, you know, obviously the daunting stat is the 82 interceptions in five years. And I, and I think that that is just a, that is a horrible statistic for a guy that wants to have an opportunity to be a franchise quarterback and, and, you know, and leading league, leading the league this year with 24. I mean, he's, he has, he has more interceptions than Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers all put together. And so I think, you know, when you look at that, that is a daunting stat that, that you, you definitely want, don't want to have in your, uh, at your disposal um, when you're trying to, you know, to evaluate your quarterback. But, you know, when you're looking at, you know, what he's able to do and, you know, you know, Mike Evans is an excellent talent, but, you know, outside of those guys, Chris Godwin is a really solid talent, but they're not playing with, uh, you know, a bunch of, you know, stars when it comes to um, on the offensive end. There's a very lot. There's a very uh, a good amount of good players on that team, but he's having opportunities to make a lot of big plays. And that's just a testament to the play calling and the player on the field. I'm going to say fact to this statement as well. I know Jameis Winston, we talk about it. He's polarized and those 24 interceptions, really, there's no excuse for them. But he is in year number one with Bruce Arians at the helm, Byron Leftwich, the emerging coaching candidate that's going up the charts that Bruce Arians himself said he expects Leftwich to be in contention for head coaching jobs in the next couple of years. And so he's working with Leftwich. And you look at, at the positives, Jarrell, and they far outweigh the negative. Negatives. You look at NFL history. Winston became the first quarterback in the league to throw for 450 plus yards in back-to-back games. You know, he's the number one overall pick of 2015, so he's had a big-time target on his back for many of these years that he's been up and down, roller coaster-type seasons for Jameis Winston, and he got off to a rocky start. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, you talked about it, 4,573 yards leading the NFL in that category, 30 touchdowns. I know he's got a 61.7 completion percentage, but he has engineered a Tampa offensive unit that ranks third in total offense, first in pass offense. And so I think he's shown enough, Jarrell, because simply if you don't bring him back, whether it's a franchise tag or a multi-year contract extension where else is Tampa Bay gonna go I mean it's not 
easy to find a future franchise quarterback, whether that be in the draft or maybe they want to explore their options in free agency with a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. Whatever the case is, I think Winston, he has deserved another opportunity in Tampa Bay. And I will say this, Jarrell, because you mentioned Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I think he can really help his turnover issue if Tampa Bay gives him a real bell cow running back. I know they have Peyton Barber. They have Ronald Jones, who's shown some positive signs this season. But how about maybe acquiring Bruce Arians' old guy, David Johnson from Arizona this offseason, who could be on the outs there because he does not fit Cliff Kingsbury's offensive system. Get Winston, a type of back like David Johnson, or maybe they go and sign Melvin Gordon in free agency. He's going to be a free agent in March, but give him a big-time threat where defenses are going to have to load the box to stop a vital running back that's going to help Jameis Winston have better looks down the field. Yeah, they definitely need to improve their running game up front. They've had flashes in the pan this year where they've they've showed uh, that they can that they're capable of running the football. But I think at the end of the day, they have a they have to improve their guard play up front. They have to have uh, big bruisers to come in to be able to control those defensive tackles in order to set up the play action pass and and ultimately those those big uh, convincing runs down the field. And I think at the end of the day, man, you know, it all comes down to Jameis Winston and his decision making. Uh, he has to make better decisions. We all know that the talent is there. We all know that he has opportunity to stretch the field with any type of personnel that he has on the field. But, I mean, if you're a leader, you're the guy at the helm, we have to be able to trust you. We don't want to go into the game knowing that you're going to be throwing two interceptions on the other side of the ball, knowing that you're going to put us in tight situations, but we just don't know at what point in time during the game. And I think at the end of the day, on his end, he has to be more accountable. I know that we're, we're excited to see, you know, that he had a lot of success um, as far as statistical, uh, you know, as far as stats go uh, this year under Bruce Aarons. But, you know, obviously, like I said, man, 82, 82 interceptions over five years is a is a is a real big, uh, a real big red flag on, on my account. And so I think at the end of the day, they have to they have to, you know, come to some type of agreement. And I think, you know, franchising him and giving him an opportunity to prove himself one more time around in my system with less errors. And then I would think about uh, extending him. All right, let's go to move on to our next fact fiction statement, Jarrell. And it has to do with another quarterback that has a murky future ahead of him. It's Derek Carr with the Raiders. We know that they played their final game in the Coliseum on Sunday. Ugly sight with fans booing Derek Carr and the Raiders off the field after they blew one to Gardner Minshew, losing 20-16. to Frustration is mounting. Fans are clamoring for change as they get ready to move to Las Vegas. So here's the statement. The Raiders should move on from Derek Carr and acquire a new signal caller ahead of their upcoming move to Vegas. Fact or fiction? Um, I personally would say uh, fiction. I, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily see any other veteran out there in the free agent market um, unless you're trying to trade for a guy like Cam Newton. Uh, that would be, you know, an acceptable replacement for Derek Carr. I think um, when you look at, you know, the transition that he has to have, he's 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 had, you know, different offensive coordinators over the last couple of years. Uh, I think at the end of the day, he's shown that he's had capable seasons of, you know, uh, of having big big stats and making big plays. Um, I mean, he's been on track to throw for 4,000 yards, uh, you know, uh, four times in his career. 
And, you know, he's done it. He's done it once. Uh, once, I mean, one statistical year, 2016, he had 3,937 yards. That's essentially 400. That's essentially 4,000. Um, the, the year before that, he had 3987. So that's essentially 4,000. I mean, this kid is capable of doing the things that, sh- that is required in order to lead this team. But I think, you know, it's shown when he had the proper personnel around him and they were in the, in the, in the Raiders were big bruisers up front with the play action pass and the big and the big guys uh, that they were throwing to downfield, then he, he definitely can make some some, you know, f- unbelievable throws. Um, I think John Gruden has to move forward and have uh, give him another opportunity uh, in order to make an impact on his team. And I think it's just, he's just getting started and um, he'll have an opportunity to put some 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 pieces around him in the upcoming draft. I'm going to say fact to that statement. I do think the Raiders should move on from Derek Carr this offseason. Now, I'm not knocking Derek Carr in any sense. I think he's a solid starting quarterback in the NFL, but he has not been the same since he had that leg fracture. He was putting together an MVP-type season, but since then, Jarrell, he just seems very uneasy in the pocket. And let's just be real with it. I think John Gruden... Since he took over the job with that big 10-year mega deal, I think he's had his eye on getting a quarterback of his choice to lead his organization, especially now as they're moving to Vegas. Excitement's at an all-time high. And Derek Carr, look, 14 starts this season. He's thrown for 3,372 yards, which is 14th in the NFL, 19 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, career high 70.0 completion percentage now that's because a lot of his passes are check downs to his running back so he has a high completion percentage but the main gripe with him Jarrell he, he just does not consistently stretch the field enough they gave him some weapons Tyrell Williams but of course Antonio Brown we know how that ended up I just think that John Gruden in a sense maybe has already made up his mind that he wants to go and target a quarterback in the draft, because let's remember, Jarrell, the Raiders have two first-round picks this year, which right now, according to the projected standings, Oakland would have a 13th overall selection and an 18th overall selection. So who's to say that they can't package those picks along with maybe some future assets to move into the top five and target a guy like Justin Herbert out of Oregon or maybe even Tua if he slips down the board. You look at Derek Carr's contract, Jarrell, the Raiders can save $16.5 million in cap space by trading or releasing him before June 1 while just taking on $5 million in dead money. So it also does make sense from a financial standpoint. And I think that there would be a market for Derek Carr should they look to trade him. So that's my two cents in this. I do think the Raiders will move on from Derek Carr after this season. Yeah, it would be really interesting to see. You know, obviously, you know, John Gruden and Mike Mayock have been doing things a little bit differently over there. Uh, but the picks that they've brought in have been uh, – they, they've definitely shown um, that they've been capable. You know, obviously Trent Brown's making it back to the Pro Bowl. Um, the draft of, you know, Josh Jacobs has proven to to definitely uh, pay out dividends. Um, you know, hopefully he can have an opportunity to get healthy and, and uh, he'll be able to be, you know, in their plans for the future. But, I mean, he's definitely moving at the right place. And, you know, obviously, you know, Matt, I mean, Crosby over there, you know, coming off the defensive end has been um, spectacular this year. And so at the end of the day, you know, they've proven to, to have flashes of success from, you know, from the, you know, the awkward picks that they've had. But, you know, I just think, you know, moving forward, you always want to, you know, when you're making a transition into something new, you always want to have a voice there that's a vo- that's a calming voice for the team moving forward. And I know, 
you know, they've had a lot of changes up front with the offensive line. And I just know that, you know, his protection hasn't been the same since he had the three, uh, the three pole rollers in front of him uh, a few years ago, the protection in the pocket was great. And I think ever since you shaped some things up on that line, you know, things have getting, things have gotten a lot iffy for him. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's uh, been proven in his play. And so I think at the end of the day, um, if they can continue to to try to you know put more pieces around him, um, somebody that comes back close to an Amari Cooper type of player, then I think moving forward they'll be able to to re- recap and and uh, you know uh, get back on the right track. Let's go ahead and turn the page now to the next topic, and it has to do with the Green Bay Packers. I know you're very fond of them, Jarrell. It's kind of interesting that a team that's eleven and three and is ready in the playoffs is a talking point in this magnitude, but it certainly is worth discussing considering the numbers that we're seeing. All right, so here's a statement. The Green Bay Packers should be concerned about Aaron Rodgers and their offense's mediocre play as they gear up for the postseason. Jarrell, you watch this team a lot. Is this fact or is this fiction? I would say R-E-L-A-L. X, relax, everybody, please. Like, I think at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers isn't the person that we really need to be worried about. I think, you know, his play has been, you know, up and down this year. It hasn't been that big statistical year that we've all been seeing from Aaron Rodgers. But look at where we are. The Packers are 11 and 3. They are uh, number one in their division. They're moving forward. They have an opportunity to clinch a playoff, a home playoff game. and, you know, and the opportunity to be uh, one of the top two teams in their division when it's all said and done. And so I think, you know, his health and, and the things that they've been able to do offensively this year has proven um, to be a, a working formula for them. They're feeding the ball to Aaron Jones. They're having a, a balance between run and pass. And although it hasn't been, you know, big gains, we've had opportunities to keep Aaron Rodgers uh, free, um, out of harm's way. And, you know, because there's been injuries on the offensive line this year and there's been some inconsistencies in the interior. And so I think with everything that they've been facing, uh, I think, you know, the quarterback position is not the one that, you know, that, that people needs to be worried about. It's whether or not the offensive line can hold up their end of the bargain. And can the defense and special teams come up with a big play late in the games? Because we've seen before Aaron Rodgers makes so many spectacular plays in, 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 in many clutch games. And um, there's been fumbles on the defense and there's been slip ups. There's been slip ups in, in a special teams uh, in the special teams game going all the way back to Seattle. And so I think at the end of the day, it's going to be the defense and special teams that's going to have to come up big time for this for this team to win. Because I think if you have the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands late, he's going to make the right play. I'm going to oppose you again, Jarrell. I'm going to say fact to that statement. I think there should be some concern. Obviously, we're not going to be panicking here because, as I preluded with, the Packers are already in the playoffs, 11-3. and they got a big-time showdown coming up against the Minnesota Vikings. That's going to determine who wins the division. But, Jarrell, look, I mean – this defense, I know they got the Smith brothers coming off the edge. Those guys are, are very lethal, and they've been very productive. But I am still not sold on the Green Bay defense as a whole, which is why I think there needs to be some concern about their offense and their ability to efficiently score the ball once the playoffs come around. Because you look at what they were able to do in the first 10 games, talking about Aaron Rodgers, 64.8% of his passes were being completed, average yards per attempt, 783 and an exceptional passer rating of 102.7, 
However, in the last four games, which dates back to that ugly loss to the 49ers, Rodgers has completed just 59.1% of his passes with an average yards per attempt of just 5.87, which ranks 30th in the NFL. And so that is troubling. You look on Sunday against the Bears, they were up 21-3, to but then they squandered an opportunity to put them away. The final was 21-13 to Chicago, which we know Mitchell Trubisky and that Chicago offense, they have been up and down this year. So I think there are some issues and even Aaron Rodgers Jarrell has even addressed this in the media saying yeah I understand we're playing very ugly football of course it's translating to wins right so at the end of the day it's okay but there should be some pause for Matt LaFleur and the first year head coach because once they get into the playoff show they're going to have to be playing teams like San Francisco again who took it to them there in Santa Clara you're looking at Minnesota maybe Seattle so I'm just saying in order for them to hang with those type of teams in the NFC, their offense, along with Aaron Rodgers, they're going to have to find a way to hit a hot streak. Yeah, I can see your concerns, man. I mean, they're the 21st ranked offense, 23rd ranked defense. Um, But I think at the end of the day, man, you know, being able to win those, those tight, close, gritty games are the ones that makes, you know, builds continuity between your team. You, uh, you build confidence. You understand, you know, what this person is capable of when the game is on the line. And I think, you know, time and time again, from the Hail Marys to the sideline plays to the over and to the, you know, consistent fourth down, you know, conversions uh, that Aaron Rodgers has done over the years, I've seen them from my own eyes. Like, this isn't a guy that we are going to have to worry about moving forward. I think it's obviously going to be the consistency with his receivers. It's going to be the consistency with his with his offensive line. Can they stop the run in the playoffs in the interior game? Because we have no no questions about the guys on the outside. But are the are the is the defensive line going to be able to help Kenny Clark in the middle? And is the secondary going to be able to play man coverage? Um, late in the game in order for them to make the big play. And so that those are my questions and concerns for the Packers moving forward. But I'm talk, but as far as scoring points, I don't think the Packers are going to have an issue with those. But well, we will see how it unfolds the final two weeks of the regular season. And that is a perfect segue, Jarrell, because now we get to talk about some of these Week 16 matchups and give our picks. We're going to have football on Saturday, so how about it? No more Man. no more college football, so it's a little bit of a, of a sad time, but hey, we get football a day early in the NFL, man, so I am not complaining. Let's go ahead and kick it off, man. First game on Saturday, Texans at the Buccaneers. We saw the Texans pull off a big-time victory at Tennessee, and so now they're hanging on to that top spot Taking on a red-hot Bucks team that's on a four-game win streak. This is in Tampa Bay. Who are you taking? Man, this is actually a very tough pick for me because how, you know, the Bucks have been performing offensively and how terrible the Texans look in their secondary. Um, it was it would definitely behoove me to go with the Buccaneers. But at the but at the same time, with everything at stake is Deshaun Watson, like I said last week. These are the guys who are going to have to come up big. And I also believe in Carlos Hyde and their running game and their ability to be able to run the football and keep time of possession on their side. So I'm going to take the Texans in a, in a, in a real big shootout, 31-27. Um, to 27. I'm going to go with the Texans too, Drill. I know Tampa Bay, they're a dangerous team, but they're without Chris Godwin, who's likely going to be ruled out due to hamstring. They put Mike Evans on IR today, officially yeah. ending his season. And right now, Deshaun Watson – 
He is playing very well. That offense is humming along. Will Fuller is back to full health. DeAndre Hopkins and Tampa Bay, they are atrocious in the secondary as well. So give me Houston, 34-24 over the Buccaneers. Now let's go to the next matchup. This is a big-time colossal showdown between two AFC East foes because the Bills, they're still trying to fight for that number one spot in the division. They play the Patriots in New England 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Jarrell, who are you going to take in this game? You know I'm taking the Bills Mafia in this game. We got to have this game. Going in there, man, having an opportunity to knock off the GOAT. He's leaning on all, you know, he's leaning off the edge, man. We just got to have opportunity to close. I think um, in the first showcase, they proved that they have the formula in order to beat the Patriots. It's just going to be, can Josh Allen make enough plays against this defense? Um, Stephen Gilmore is having a phenomenal year. You know, obviously, I already spoke about the addition of Jamie Collins coming back. It's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a bloodbath in a battle, man. Uh, and I know Sean McDermott is hyping these guys up all week. I know this defensive line is ready to get after it, man. So I'm going to take the Bills in a close one, 24-21, late field goal, Stephen Hoshka, upright, they out the gate. Man, I know you're fired up, Drew. I can sense it, bro. But I got to go with the Patriots here. As much as I want to go with the Bills, and I have been very high on Sean McDermott. In fact, I always like to say he was my coach of the year pick. And who knows, man, it may actually happen because this Bills team continues to impress. And I love their defense. We saw it. They just completely went duck hunting on Devlin Hodges on Sunday Night Football. So I do think the Patriots, they're in for a big time dog fight against Buffalo. But what gives me the edge here, Jarrell, is New England's defense. And for how strong they've been able to play. You mentioned Stephon Gilmore. And another big-time question for me, and I kind of mentioned this to you via text, is I just don't know whether I can trust Josh Allen yet. I know he's still a young quarterback. I don't know if he's going to consistently show up on the big stages. What can he do with his arm? We know he has the talent, but because he's such a wild card at this point in his career, I got to give it to the Patriots. They're at home. You know they're going to be rowdy. It's going to be loud. I look for New England to take it 20-13 to in a low-scoring game. So looking forward to seeing that one, Jarrell. But how about the triple-header game on Saturday night? Rams at 49ers. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm going to take the 49ers, man. I mean, the Rams have nothing else really to play for. I think the Rams are, are definitely on their way out. They're going to have to try to find a way to revamp this team uh, with not having a lot of wiggle room going into the offseason. And so I'm going to take the 49ers to get back on track. Um, they're back at uh, they're back at home. I wanted to say Candlestick Park at first, man. Shout out to the old, uh, to the old stadium, man, because that was a great place to play. But um, they're going to be rocking and rolling, man, and, and I'm going to take the 49ers, man, and uh, I'm, I'm taking them to win 34 uh, to 17. Same here. I'm going to roll with the Niners. I think their defense comes up to play angry. I know they're going to get Richard Sherman back, who is out against Atlanta. This is a big-time vengeance game for San Francisco. They understand the importance of the seating, and I have them taking it to the Rams by a score of 29-20 to 20 on Saturday night. Give me the Niners. Next game here as we move into Sunday slate, Jags at Falcons. I'm rolling with Atlanta again, Jarrell, 27 to 17. How about yourself? You are going to roll with Atlanta. I will roll with Atlanta too. I think they've just been on, on, a, on a phenomenal hot streak. I don't see the Jaguars being able to compete with this team. 
um, and where the, and what they're doing offensively. So I look for the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Falcons to win uh, by a score of 26 to 10. Next game here, Ravens at Browns, a rematch. This one's in Cleveland. And of the Ravens, two losses drill. One of them came to those Cleveland Browns. In fact, that game was in Baltimore. So the Ravens, you know, they've had this game circled on their calendar to get some payback. I'm taking Baltimore to win in an ugly, typical AFC North smash mouth game. Give me the Ravens 30-19. to yeah, I actually have the Ravens uh, blowing this team out, man. I think that they're going to put up phenomenal scores. 12 pole bowlers setting the NFL record. It's phenomenal to see the, the continuity on this team. So I'm actually going to take them in a score of 37 to 18. I think they're going to dominate this team um, in Cleveland, having OBJ and those boys kind of going back on their words that they said this week about being there. <laughs> An intriguing matchup, Saints at Titans. We know the Titans, they're currently in the wild card position. They're fighting for their playoff lives. They're hosting a red-hot Saints team. This is a tough one to call. I'm going to give it to the Saints, though. From what I saw from Drew Brees on Monday night, I know that they were playing a Colts team that's injury-depleted and out of the playoffs. And I will say that Tennessee's defense, those guys can play as well. So it's going to be a tough battle. But give me the Saints by one touchdown 24 to 17. Man, I actually have this in a low scoring game. For some reason, I know that, you know, the Saints have looked great offensively. Um, I look for Michael Thomas to go again for over 100 yards. I think uh, he's going to have opportunity to do some great things, but I think this is going to be a low scoring game. And in Tennessee, late, uh, we got the snow rolling in with a lot of these states now. And so I think they're going to have opportunity uh, to take advantage with the Saints. And so I have them winning in a score. Uh, I have the Saints winning. And a low score of uh, 18 to 13. We're both rolling with the Saints. Panthers at Colts. Both teams eliminated from playoff contention. We're going to see Will Greer start for the Panthers. A third round pick out of West Virginia. I don't think it's enough in his debut to get him a win. Give me the Colts. I like for them to bounce back after an embarrassing Monday night loss. 34-7 to the Saints. I have them winning by a field goal over Carolina. 24-21. Man, I actually like Will Greer, man. I like the way he had, uh, the way he was slinging the football in West Virginia. Um, the kids got uh, a lot of moxie and a lot of, a lot of grit, man. And I think at the end of the day, he has an opportunity to uh, impress the coaches and the ownership moving forward. Um, and I think uh, at the end of the day, he's, I mean, he's got nothing to lose. So I mean, why go, you know, go out there and sling it? So I actually have the Panthers winning this one, man. Um, I think that I think they're going to have an opportunity to win twenty-seven and twenty-one. Bengals at Dolphins, the Tank Bowl, man. What we've been waiting for, Jarrell. Man, this is another game that we must see on national television, so it's unfortunate that we're not all going to see it. Dolphins, Bengals, I have Ryan Fitzpatrick coming through with a big-time game again. 31-23, Finns. Man, I'm going to go with a tie, 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> <Both team. No. laughs> I'm just joking, bro. Nah. Um, I like Fitz, man. I like what they're doing, man. I know the Bengals want that number one overall pick, and they want to get Joe Burrow. So I know that they're not going to really be out there trying to compete. And so I think I look for Fitz Magic to have a great game, and uh, I think the Dolphins are going to pull this one out. On we go. Steelers at Jets. Duck Hodges will be under center for Pittsburgh again. I think this Pittsburgh defense has an absolute turnover party against the Jets and Sam Darnold, even though they're going to be in New York. Give me the Steelers to win in a relatively low-scoring game, 20-14. to 
Uh, I actually think the Steelers are going to win in a blowout. I think they're going to be licking their chops to get back at my at my homeboy, LeBell. And uh, I think it's going to be a great game, man. I think the Steelers are going to be angry um, coming off that loss at home because they rarely lose at home. And so Mike Tomlin's going to have these guys ready to play, and I think it's going to be a blowout. Giants at Redskins, another battle of uh, two, three-win teams here. The Redskins, despite their continued losses, they actually been playing some pretty good football under Bill Callahan. They're getting to the run, so I think they're going to beat the Giants. Daniel Jones should be back for New York. I like Washington and Dwayne Haskins to take it 24-10. to 10. Yeah, I too like this game, man. Um, only for the running back position, you know. Obviously, Shaquan Barkley, um, you know, Adrian Peterson, what he's been able to accomplish over his career, I, you know, not necessarily having the team success that he wants, but individually, he's been able to continue uh, moving up the depth charts uh, as far as the uh, you know uh, rushing leaders and touchdown leaders are concerned. And so, I look for this to be a game that's over pretty quickly with the run game. And so, I, I'm gonna take the Redskins at home. Lions at Broncos. I have Denver bouncing back after losing to Kansas City. I like Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, that potential young team under Vic Vangio, 28-17 to over Detroit. Yeah, I too. I'm going to roll with I'm gonna roll with Drew Locke and the guys out in Denver. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously the weather is going to play a factor. You know, the Lions aren't used to coming out that dome a lot, man. So, you know, we'll have opportunity uh, to see, you know, what they're made of. And so I, I like the I like the Denver Broncos to win by a couple touchdowns, uh, 24 to four, uh, 24 to 10. Raiders at Chargers. Give me the Chargers, 26-20. They're back at home. And, again, these are two teams that have really underwhelmed. I think the Chargers more so than the Raiders. Raiders are a very young team. I like uh, Phillip Rivers, man. Who knows what his future holds in, in L.A. after this season. He's a free agent. I think they're going to continue to play hard for him. 26-20, bolts over the Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to take the Raiders, too. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Um, the Raiders just doesn't seem to be one to play for much anymore, and I know that they understand that it's going to be an overhaul this year, especially with the fan base and how they've been treating them. So I think – you know, the Chargers have a lot to play for uh, as far as, you know, their offseason jobs and, you know, just showing respect to Phillip Rivers. So I, I look for the Chargers to win in this one as well. Big time matchup to decide the NFC East, 425 p.m. Eastern time in Philadelphia, Cowboys, Eagles. <laughs> the Cowboys can clinch the NFC East if they can uh, knock off the Eagles on Sunday. Jarrell, who are you going to roll with here? Wow, this is a very tough game to call just because, uh, you know, in NFC East is always a toss-up. You never know who's going to actually have an opportunity to come and play. Um, but I think, I think I'm going to take Philadelphia in this one, man. I think with everything that they have going on, with all the, 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 uh, the injuries that they had going on, they continue to fight, they continue to keep moving moving forward. Um, Dallas, with everything that they have to play for, I just think that uh, Philadelphia's defensive line is going to come up big in this game. Their secondary can't hold up with the receivers of Dallas, but I think that their defensive line is going to have a chance to, to have a really big impact in this game. So I'm going to take Philadelphia in a close one by a field goal, uh, 27 to 24, man. I think it's going to be a spectacular game, an exciting game. But I don't want you to cry after the game because I understand how much this means to you. And I just want to let you know, you can call me if you need someone to, you know, talk to, bro, because this is going to be a slugfest. I don't know if you're ready for it. Jarrell, I'm already, like, shaking in my seat here, getting nervous for this game. And, you know, I'm going to tell you two things. 
On the bright side, look, of course, I want the Cowboys to win, right? I want them to beat the Eagles. I cannot stand the Eagles. But on the other side, there's a silver lining drill that I have been telling you all season long. If the Cowboys lose this game, it just ensures that Coach Clappy McClapper is officially going to be gone. So I can find some gratitude in that as well, Jarrell. So I may have to call you after this game and to vent my excitement about whether the Cowboys win (laughs) or whether they lose and the fact that Garrett is out of Dallas. So either way it goes, I can find some peace in this, Jarrell. So I appreciate your awareness to to let me know that you are here to console me in this big-time matchup, Jarrell. But I am going to roll with the Dallas Cowboys They are my team. They've looked like a peewee football team from one week. And then this this past Sunday, they decided to show up and show what they're capable of. Now, I will say Jarrell Dak Prescott, AC joint injury to his throwing shoulder. So that is a little bit concerning for me. He did not take any first-team reps. It was Cooper Rush, but I like the Cowboys to go into Philly and win a tight one 27-23. And it is going to be... One of those games, I can already sense that it's going to be a, a, a heartbreaker for whichever side comes up short. Man, I'm telling you, if, if, if it's any game of the year where uh, two offensive coaches have to shine, obviously Doug Peterson, because he calls the coach, he calls the plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, but obviously Dallas, man, they have to have they have to have a phenomenal game plan as well, man. They have to come out and be able to have balance between the run and the pass, and they have to be able to consistently compete down the field um, with those, against those DBs. And I think they have the capabilities of doing that, but it's just Philadelphia, their backs against the wall. Like I've always said, man, Philadelphia seems to always come up big in these type of games, uh, backyard brawl, and, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Philly. All right, three more matchups here. Cardinals at Seahawks. I have the Seahawks winning, but in a shootout, I expect Kyler Murray to come up and put up his fair share of points. The Seahawks secondary has been susceptible to big-time plays, but Seattle, 34-30 at home over Arizona. No, I think Seattle's going to continue their hot streak, man. I'm going to I'm gonna take uh, Seattle by a, a score of 34-17. to I think the Seattle Seahawks uh, know where they want to go. I understand that they have weakness in their secondary, but their front seven continues to dominate. Russell Williams, I mean, not Russell Williams, but Russell Wilson continues to to shine as far as, um, you know, statistically. And he's at home, man. I think, you know, he always continues to shine at home. So I look for the Seahawks to keep things rolling on 34-17. Chiefs at Bears, Sunday night football. Give me Kansas City to win this one. They're going to be playing at Soldier Field. I don't think that really makes a difference. KC, they are hot right now. 31-20. I look for Patrick Mahomes to put together another stellar performance. Yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes is, is healthy now. They're, they're healthy. Um, they have an opportunity to continue their hot streak. Um, this defense continues to, to improve. And, 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 you know, shout out to Frank Clark for making it to another Pro Bowl. That's my guy. Um, and I just I think the Chiefs are going to go in there and dominate against a uh, uh, an, uh, an inferior offense and, and with Matt Nagy. And so I have the Chiefs winning in a score of 30 to 13. Another heavyweight battle to conclude week 16. 
Packers at Vikings on Monday Night Football. This is a very, very difficult one for me to call. I'm going to give the edge to the Vikings by a field goal, 30-27 to 27 over the Green Bay Packers. The Vikings are a physical smash-mouth team up front. Now, Dalvin Cook and his availability, that's yet to be known as he's dealing with a shoulder injury. But even if he's unable to go, they still have... Alexander Madison, the rookie out of Boise, who runs just as hard to go along with Alex Boone. Adam Thielen is healthy along with Stephon Diggs. So I look for them to be at home. That crowd will be loud. And that defense from Minnesota, led by Daniel Hunter, I look for them to get after Aaron Rodgers. I think that, uh, you know, I think Coach LaFleur is going to have an opportunity to really unfold his game plan this week. You know Mike Zimmer is going to be coming with the two inside linebackers. Uh, you know they're going to stack all, all the, all stack over all the, uh, the offensive linemen to uh, give a, a, the one-on-one matchups. And I think this is when Aaron Rodgers is going to have to have an opportunity to be at his best. Uh, you know, draw screens, uh, being able to dump the ball out to Aaron Jones um, when the pressure's on. Because I definitely like his matchups against those uh, of the linebackers on the outside. And so. I mean, it's going to be a lot of quick passes, a lot of play-action pass, a lot of, you know, getting the ball out of, uh, of Aaron Rodgers' hands fast, a lot of two tight end sets. And so I think the Packers are going to have an opportunity to shine. I think it's going to be a, a shootout because, you know, Kirk Cousins definitely bleeds the Packers uh, when he when he has opportunities to, to go up against the secondary, just like they did earlier in the year. Uh, but I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have the last say-so in this, in this round. And, and uh, moving forward in the playoffs. So I think the Packers are going to win in a score of 28 to 20. Another highly anticipated matchup. That's going to do it for today's podcast, Jarrell. I really appreciate you, man, being flexible and getting this podcast done so we can put out for the fans. We appreciate that as well. But uh, praying for you and your family. Have a great weekend. And, man, Christmas is coming up so quickly. So looking forward to seeing some family and enjoying the holidays. Yes, sir, man. As I, as I uh, always say before, man, I appreciate it. It's always a uh, an honor to be on the show, man, and have an opportunity to continue to speak and um, spread the good word about what's going on in football. And so Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Fans, we appreciate your support. Continue to send in those hot questions. And moving forward, uh, we're excited. All right, bro. Take care and blessings to you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.